Good morning, Conduit. I'm, uh, I'm Cameron. You can tell that I'm the pastor because I'm wearing a sport coat. Um, given the amount of people that commented on how nice I looked today, I'm guessing that I usually look like a schlep because... <laughs> I think these are just normal clothes, but everyone said, wow, you look, is it Easter already? You look nice. Might be the haircut, uh, but if you've gone here for any amount of time, you know that you'll get Pastor Cameron in a suit two times in your life. It's either on Easter Sunday or when I'm at your funeral. So maybe your wedding. So... um, I'm halfway, we're halfway to Easter, so you're getting half of the soup this morning. We, uh, the series for Lent this, this year is a divine interruption. The ways in which Jesus, the ways in which Jesus interrupts us in what sometimes has become the natural rhythm of our life, but is not always necessarily the healthy rhythm of our life. So, a point where, like, we've, we may be, Fallen, you know, like when you're um, just driving my tractor this week, and I have in the in part of my uh, part of my field, I have got these really deep ruts from from like all the soft ground, right? And I got into one of them, and I couldn't get back out. Right? And and sometimes the ruts that we get into are really healthy. The rhythms we get into are like ruts that we can't get out of, but that we need to. Um, and uh, one of the one of the questions that is um, almost like we we ask this almost as a matter of like course in just seeing other people during the week. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm really good. How's how was your week? And what is one of the things that we almost always hear or say? It was so busy. I'm so busy. How was your week? It was great, or it was bad. I am so busy. All right. I have, I have literally, I, I have no time left. I'm so busy. And sometimes it's, it comes in sort of like this exasperated tone. I'm so busy. Other times, and we might, we might mean it to be exasperated. Other times when we say it, we may not totally be thinking this way, but there is also, if I'm honest with myself, right? Sometimes I say it as like a, if I don't say I'm really busy, there might be a question of how important I am, right? Like, if I'm not super busy and I don't have a lot going on and my calendar is not full from 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. At, the, at night, then there may be a question of, hey, maybe Cameron doesn't work very hard. Or maybe he's not important enough to jam a bunch of things in his calendar to the point where at the end of the day and then at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, he's feeling like he can't breathe anymore because he's just totally vanquished. The reality is, is that the world, the world does seem, um, you know, I don't know how it was 60 years ago, right? I'm definitely not that old. Um, <laughs> here's looking at some of you, okay? The world, but the world does seem to be speeding up. In, in, my, like, in my experience, the world seems to be speeding up. And as the world speeds up, I feel like it wants to kind of drag us with it in like a swirl of activity uh, that, that kind of promises to make us feel more valued, important, more prestigious, get us more information, more experiences, like, um, and like all of these promises that very, very rarely does it actually deliver on kind of the implicit things that it promises to give us. Because generally what I've experienced is that over time, it actually just makes all of us individually and then as whole communities of people feel generally just more overwhelmed, more tired, more anxious, more distracted and less present to actual life and actual people 
that are standing in front of us. We kind of get we kind of get lost in the mix of the swirl of busyness. I don't know if anyone has ever told you. I don't I I'm I don't mean that facetiously. I, I'm not sure, right? But this is not the rhythm of life that God desires for us. A chaotic swirling of like a, a never-ending list of things and appointments and activities and um, and things that we cannot escape from that have promised to make us feel better about who we are and about life, but at the end of the day, just leave us feeling disconnected from the people around us and overwhelmed and anxious and tired and insecure and all of these things that we that generally people are struggling with today. God desires, Jesus desires to interrupt the chaotic busyness of our lives with the gift that he has called Sabbath. Now, you can tell that the world has based a lot of its principles of value on how busy our schedules are by how uncomfortable even the prospect or the word Sabbath is. It's like, it's kind of almost analogous with the word tithing. People are like, ugh. Sermon on tithing. Ugh. A sermon on Sabbath. Right? Kind of just like, oh, here we go again. Right? Going to tell me to slow down. Going to tell me to stop working so hard. Going to tell me to be going to tell me to like embrace a little bit of my natural laziness. I understand that that's how maybe sometimes that idea comes across, right? But what, what I, I want to be really clear that the that the the biblical idea about Sabbath is not about laziness at all, uh, and we're going to talk a, a little bit about that. But that's what Jesus wants to interrupt in our lives, right? Jesus wants to interrupt the chaotic nature of our lives, and the tool that he wants to use to interrupt it is, is Sabbath. It's like the monkey wrench that he wants to throw in the gears of our chaos to get us to slow down, to get us to see what's going on. We're going to read from the Gospel of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 23, and we're going to go through Mark chapter 3, verse 6. And um, those scriptures will be up on the screen for you. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they, why are your disciples doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath? Harvesting grain, working. He answered, have you never read what David did when he, is, he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, they entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, look, the Sabbath was made for man. Not the other way around. Not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And Jesus asked him, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. 
Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians about how they may kill Jesus. What, what, is, what are these two examples, what do these two stories tell us about Jesus' position on Sabbath and his understanding of it, the Pharisees' understanding of it, because in as much as we never, we, we, we want to identify, we want to identify with the disciples, right? We want to identify with those being healed. We want to identify with Jesus. We never want to identify with the Pharisees, right? But, but a lot of times, especially in like our relationship with Sabbath, we actually probably identify more with a Pharisaical view of it. Very restrictive, very legalistic, very, I better, I better follow this rule and I got to do it right or, or it's not going to work or see, I told you, like, like it's just a, an excuse to be lazy. You see, what the Pharisees did is that they, they took the position that, that the Sabbath or this period of time, this day was, was, was more like a restrictive set of laws that were meant and had its purpose in being obeyed no matter what. And they were ruthless in their pursuit of perfectly following the letter of the law. And that's why we see from the example that we just read that when that when the disciples of Jesus were walking through the grain fields, right? And they were just they were picking small heads of grain to eat. And when and when Jesus was in the temple and there was a man with an obvious physical deformity or something wrong with his hand and Jesus healed him of that that the Pharisees, they could not see past the idea, hey, there are rules to follow here, Jesus, and it doesn't matter how good the outcome is for the things that you're doing, the rules must be followed. Now, what was Jesus' general response to the Pharisees' idea or their practice that Sabbath was all about a restrictive set of rules or laws or ideals. Well, his general response was one that we don't often um, we don't we don't often like think that Jesus responds this way. But in um, in chapter three, verse five, it says that he looked around essentially in like you guys are a bunch of idiots. It says he looked around at them in anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he reached out and his hand was completely restored. So Jesus' response to the Pharisees' understanding and position on Sabbath was one of distress and anger and recognition of a stubborn heart that would not allow the Pharisees to see past what they were expressing um, Sabbath as, just like these rules and laws that must be followed, to the spirit of what God was offering in the Sabbath. Because the question then becomes, okay, like so the Pharisees were saying, Jesus, you're breaking the Sabbath by doing these things. You're, you're, dis, you're, you're disobeying. You're, you're showing, right, that you have no regard for, uh, that you have no regard for God. You're acting outside of the bounds of what it means to be a faithful Jewish man. So the question then becomes, well, was Jesus really? Did he? Did he do something he shouldn't have? Did he encourage something that he shouldn't have? Well, his answer, the answer to that proverbial question, and really Jesus' whole answer is in the same text that we read in chapter 2, verse 27, where Jesus reminds the Pharisees and all those who are listening what the actual purpose of the Sabbath was. It says in, in chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is the implication there? 
The Sabbath was not made so that we so that we would have, you and I would have, the Pharisees would have, all of us would have some set of like really restrictive guidelines that God wanted to give to us and that we were required to follow. The Sabbath was made so that you and I would have a gift to receive from God. The Sabbath was made for you. The Sabbath was made for me. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, okay? But imagine with me for a moment that you have someone in your life that you, you really love and you really care for, okay? And their birthday is coming up. And, and months ahead of time, you're really thinking, okay, like, I really want to give this person something that is thoughtful, that is helpful for their lives, that they really benefit and love, that they open with excitement, and that they see and they and they appreciate and they and they love and they use and they just it like becomes their new favorite thing. Maybe you have like your kid or your spouse or a friend or your parents or whatever, right? And the day finally comes and you wrap it all up. The nicest like wrapping job that you could possibly do and you give it to them and you sit and you watch them as they open it really carefully there's a lot of anticipation built up right and you've spent so much time and intentionality and so much of your resources right to get this thing and then they open it and they take they open the box and they take the tissue paper out and then they lift it up and they look at it and they're like i hate this <laughs> This is the worst. Like, I, I don't want this at all. But you're like, hey, look. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't understand. You should really love this thing. Like, I got this specific... I didn't like... This wasn't last minute. I got this specifically... For you, I, I thought long and hard about it. I had your best interest at heart. You see, this is where you and I become like the Pharisee rather than like the disciple or rather than like Jesus himself. By making a gift that God desires to give to us, right? Sabbath was made for man, is what Jesus says, not you for it. It for you. It was, a, it was a gift, right? We take what God desired to be a gift and we make it burdensome. Like, you got to tell me I got to rest? Like, uh, hello, God. Do you have any idea how busy I am? Do you have any idea how how like the demands on my time? I'm not sure that you do because if you did, you would maybe get me a planner and not the Sabbath. <laughs> you would add two or three hours to the day rather than giving me this gift. But as of right now, Lord, this is a gift I don't want. You see, we see the gift of God as burdensome rather than seeing it. Listen, I want you to hear this. Rather than seeing it as the permission and invitation to embrace a different rhythm than the hectic pace that the world demands of you. Because the world certainly does demand a hectic and chaotic pace. And what God is doing is offering you a gift that breaks the cycle of the hectic pace and sets you apart as holy and beloved. You see, in a world that that worships overwork, rest 
is very countercultural and subversive. And so, and so embracing the Sabbath then becomes a marker of you as a set-apart person and us as a set-apart community. It actually becomes a countercultural movement of saying, Lord, I will receive the gift that you have offered to me. I think it becomes important for us to understand how God even designed Sabbath to begin with. Because we do have this competing, like, I must work hard. I must stay busy. And this is Sabbath is very far from, like, a lazy attitude, right? We're not, I'm not, I am not in any way, shape, or form advocating, like, a, trying to baptize laziness by saying, like, well, I'm just kind of on Sabbath four or five days a week, you know? I was like... <laughs> expressing my godly potential in this gift and being like, no, 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 don't, don't get it twisted, right? I didn't say that, right? And, and there, there is an expectation and an anticipation to continue to work, to work hard in whatever capacity that exists for you, right? But Sabbath, um, Sabbath was, um, Sabbath was part of the, the original created order, right? If we go back to Genesis chapter 2, let's do that. Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 2 and 3, we're in the creation account, right? And in all of chapter 1 of Genesis, right, we're, we're, seeing, this, we're seeing this account, these words of like God creating, Right, God doing the work, creating the land and the sea and the and the and the sky, creating the the uh, fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals of the ground, creating man, creating light and darkness and the sun and the moon and the stars and like creating create. Suffice it to say, creating all that there is to create, and creating it with the with the words of His mouth. Right, um, we don't get the sense here. That, that this was a really difficult endeavor for God, right? Like he, had to, like he had to toil, like there was sweat dripping down his brow as he was creating all of the cosmos. The way in which it's recorded is, is, is meant to communicate that, that just by the, by the words of God's mouth, even the reality of God's thought, that all, of the, the, all that could exist has come into existence. It's not a difficult thing for him. So when we come to Genesis chapter 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We're going to ask ourselves a really, it seems like a silly question, but maybe it's not a silly question when we really consider the attitude or relationship that we, you and I have with Sabbath, and it's this question. Did God need the rest? Do we really think that God was super wore out on the seventh day? Be like, bro, I just got to put my feet up for a second because that was hard work. I don't get that impression. I don't get the impression that God was like, you know, I really could just t- use a day off. Uh, I really just need a break from all of this. Of course not, right? God, God did not institute the Sabbath and call it holy because he needed the rest. The Sabbath was a part of the natural rhythm of creation, Sabbath was not separate from the act of work and creating. It was actually a necessary component to express the rhythm of a God-centered life. How that life actually works. Sabbath rest was included in the creation account because God desired to express rest as a natural part 
of creating things in life. Some, some natural examples from life, okay? The season that we're in right now is a season generally described as a, a season of like dormancy. And, and seasons of dormancy, right, in the earth are, are necessary for seasons of fruitfulness. Jerry and I have been, begun to talk about like, okay, what's the garden going to look like for, you know, the spring and the summer and what are we going to grow and what is it going to demand of us, right? And, and like at the fall, be, at end of fall, beginning of winter, you know, last year, you know, you, you put the garden beds to, to bed for the, for the winter, right? You cover them, you give them a, like a cover crop or like you let the soil lay dormant over that season because it's an important part in not stressing the soil to the point where in the season of fruitfulness, the spring and summer, there's no nutrients left in it in order to grow the things that you need. The dormancy of winter is necessary for the fruitfulness of summer. Without one or the other, you know, like these areas where they can where they can plant in all four seasons. We have significant difficulty now with the nutrients of the, of that soil, right? Because all of the nutrients continually just get stripped from it. Just get used and used and used and there's there's no time for rest. There's no time for dormancy. There's no time for rebuilding of that soil and eventually it becomes worthless. Can no longer be planted on. I looked back in my sermon notebooks and it will be three years in August that I used this exact sermon illustration when we, I did a sermon series in the book of Proverbs. It's talking about how, um, it was talking about how like um, when we have when we have conflict with one another, that our words can be like um, our words can be like like stirring up muddy water. They, they make the conflict worse, right? And about how in the midst of conflict, when we take seasons of silence for ourselves, we see that all of the mud in the conflict settles to the bottom. And then we can see clearly through it, right? And I've had this, um, this exact, this is the, the exact one. I haven't touched it, haven't opened it. I've had this on the shelf in my office since. To remind me that there is like, that there is benefit in letting the mud settle out of the water for a season. Right? What is the, like, the, like, I don't want to do it because I've laughed so long. Okay? The mud will settle out of this water again if I let it sit for a little while. Right? The water will become clear again. I don't know, I don't know about, maybe I ought to put this down here and we're like, Gathering a whole table of Lenten symbols here. Muddy water settles when we let it sit. Now I don't know I don't know how muddy the water of your life feels right now. I don't know how unclear it is or how um, or how like how um, dirty it feels. But the, but, the, but the question then becomes, if, we're, if you're willing to say, like, yeah, the water of my life is pretty muddy, and I can't see through it, and I don't know what the step, next step is, and I'm pretty overwhelmed, and I'm really, really tired, and I'm super anxious about all that I have to do, and what I can't get done, and I feel stretched, and I don't have what it takes, and I'm insecure about all of that, like, the question is, have you let your life sit for any amount of time, or, are you just, or do you just keep going? And going and going and going and going and going, 
right? And then wondering why the water's still muddy. Sabbath is an opportunity on a weekly basis and sometimes on a seasonal basis, right? To allow the mud to settle a little bit and the water to become a little bit more clear. And without a, you know, without experiencing Sabbath as like this natural part or rhythm of our life, without a natural rhythm and pattern of rest, what happens to us? We begin to, we begin to react and respond to the pressures of life out of a need purely to survive them. And listen, I don't, I don't ride motorcycle. I'm considering it as one of my midlife crises. I have not just, it's either going to be that or a neck tattoo right now. The motorcycle is winning, but I figure I'm going to be 40 this year. So it's about time. It's about time to buy a motorcycle or get a neck tattoo. One of the two. Um, So I can't speak from. I can't speak from total experience, but here's what I hear about riding motorcycle, okay? Is that when you're traveling very, very fast on a motorcycle, even a small pebble at the wrong place on the road can make, can be a, can, can cause a really, really, really bad situation. Even something small. Seemingly insignificant in other situations or seasons of life can become absolutely disastrous. And what happens is that when we don't let the mud settle out of life, right? When we don't allow a season of dormancy, when we don't, when we don't embrace the gift of God that allows for a natural rhythm of work and rest, and we just continue at a breakneck pace all of the time, we begin to have $100 responses to $10 problems. And small little pebbles can create really big wrecks. How do we get to a place of recognizing the, well, my hope is that we're getting to a place of recognizing the importance of a natural rhythm of rest within the busyness of your life. The problem, I guess is to share the pressure that I often feel is like, I want to take all of this stuff right here and I want to take all of this stuff right here and I want to like forcefully jam it into your life. Like, and I want to make you do it. Right? Um, it's kind of antithetical to the idea that Sabbath is a gift that you must receive. Right? So my hope here is that by, by bringing some clarity to the nature of Sabbath and to what is at stake, right? That Sabbath is not a, Sabbath is not a, like, is not separate from work. It's actually a part of the necessary work that we do. But my, my hope also is that you will allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak this truth deep down into who you are and that you will take away some forms of application, even if it's in this next few weeks, to say, I am going to work, I'm going to work, and I, I'm going I'm to express trust in the gift that God is offering me and see if the gift that he's giving me is more like a loaf of bread or if it's like a snake. I can't express this more strongly to say that I know what the experience is going to be for you. It's not going to be a snake. It's going to be a loaf of bread. And you're going to wonder, like, what in the world have I been doing with all of my life? One of the things that we, um, one of the things that we've done, like, we did this last week 
we do it every week, right, is whatever the theme for the week is, and, and this week is like that Jesus is interrupting the busyness and the chaos of our lives, right? He's interrupting it with the gift of Sabbath, is to give you um, somewhat of an opportunity or an opportunity to, um, to include in your life a spiritual practice in that week that kind of helps to build that reality for you. Um, and so we, we make these little cards, and they're on the table in the foyer out there, and you can grab them, and there's a, on the back is for your whole family, on the front is like a, a practice that we're recommending to like grasp onto and implement these principles in your life. Now, are you ready? Jesus is, wants to interrupt, right? Jesus wants to interrupt the busyness and chaos of our lives. So what is the practice this week? Hold your breath because you're going to hate it or maybe you're going to love it, but basically like giving you permission to take a phone break. You know those those super powerful computers that you carry around in your pocket all day and that keep you connected to the rest of the world, right? And that without this thing, all of life will fall apart. Well, let me tell you what. I'm not I'm not so old, but I am old enough to remember a time before cell phones and life went on like kind of without a hitch. I was actually in, in college. I, I went to school. I went to college without a cell phone. Right. And, and I, like I had friends still. <laughs> there were, there were still times where I got to see pictures When I wanted to know what was going on in someone's life, I'd be like, hey, what's going on in your life? <laughs> right? And, and I lived to tell about it. Okay? And I lived to tell about it. And, and what I, and, and so we're going to encourage, like, this is a guide for a phone break. How does God um, interrupt the busyness and chaos of your life? You start with something really simple that you have control over. Take a phone break. And there's some examples here of how take a phone break, right? In various, like, in various um, intensities. Go for a walk or a hike and leave your phone behind. No, people don't need to be able to track you in case you get, like, break your leg or something like that. You're going to be fine, all right? You're going to be fine without your phone. You don't need to listen to a podcast or music as you're taking a walk and a hike. You're, use that time to listen, not to like what you know Oprah says on her podcast, but like maybe listen, take that time to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to tell you about your life, right? Or go on a date night without your phone. Crazy, I know, but like leave it at home, okay? Uh, or set if you have a family, set everyone's phone in the other room and have a family game night. I'm gonna be honest, that sounds like torture to me, but <laughs> <clears throat> but, but it's probably a good idea, right? <laughs> I mean, like let's let's just be honest, okay? Um, delete your social media apps for just one day, okay? I know many of you, I've, I've shared with many of you, many of you know that like I, I got off of all social media a couple months ago and uh, let me t- someone asked me the other day, hey, how is, how, how's that going? I was like, you know what? There's life. There's life outside of it. Like it's really crazy about how like the sun comes up and the sun goes down and you still have relationship with people and, and you're not like constantly bombarded with a stream of people's like toxic news that it's like, uh, it's like hey when you coming back to social media I'm like <laughs> i am definitely not <laughs> definitely not okay but uh pick this up uh if you desire this type of like rhythm right Here's here are a few like super practical points and then we're then we'll close for the morning. How do I create a new rhythm? How do I create a rhythm that embraces 
a principle of Sabbath and dormancy and letting the mud settle in my life. Number one is understand the importance of the word no. I've heard, I'm sure you've heard it said many, many times that no is a complete sentence. Hey, can you, no. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be as rude as I made it sound, of course, right? But understand the importance of saying no. Every slot in your calendar is not another peg in your importance. In fact, in fact, the incessant need to be everywhere and do everything all of the time, no matter what, is an indication of a vaulted self view of self. I am so important that me not being there or me not doing it or me not being involved in that will make the whole thing crumble or fall. I got, I got news for you, right? None of us are as important as we think we are. None of us. You got a job that you think like, well, I can't say no to that. Like, I just got to do it. You know what's going to happen if you die on the way home? They're going to find someone to fill your spot at work this week. It's just the truth of it, right? Like, someone's going to take over. Say, like, and, and saying, well, I can't say no. I got to do it. No, you don't have to do it. You choose to do it. You want to do it, right? Because there's something inside of you that says, there's no one else that can, or I must, and you're killing yourself because you don't know the word no. No. I'm sorry. Or maybe the, 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 more, the more polite thing, I'm sorry, I don't have the opportunity in my calendar to do that right now. I'm not able to meet that need or expectation. No. Well, I mean, Jesus would never do that. Jesus did it all the time. All the time. Jesus would never see someone who had a need and say no. Well, actually, Jesus flat out recognized the significant need that some people had for his presence. And they were like, yeah, peace out. I'm going to go to the other town now. Need some space. Mark chapter 1 is a good example. Mark chapter 1, 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, the crowd is here. They have all of these needs. It's very, very, very important that you come. Jesus replied, yeah, let us go somewhere else. Yeah, we're going to go somewhere else. Maybe to some nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Well, Jesus didn't have boundaries with anyone. He would just, whatever anyone needed or wanted from him, he would just do it all the time. Incorrect. Like, very incorrect. Jesus had some pretty firm boundaries on his time and his energy and his like capacity to do like to to like to be in ministry to people. Like it's it's actually it's actually a Jesus thing to say no. Number two, we must model a new rhythm. It is very very important for us if. If we don't model a new rhythm of rest and renewal and Sabbath, no one else will, and the world will continue to speed up until it, the whole thing hits a little pebble and like goes into the guardrail and off into space. See, because the word no seems rude because we're so accustomed to just saying yes to everything. Saying no is actually a good thing and not a sign that you're a jerk or don't love Jesus.
Number three, I think it's important to understand that we must rest in the right direction. That, that Sabbath is not just the removal or the absence of something. But it's, act, it's not just something that, we, that we, we can't just take away. Well, I'm just not going to go to work on this day. I'm just not going to do this thing. On the, it's not, Sabbath is not addition by subtraction, right? It's addition by subtraction and then addition of another thing. Sabbath gives us the opportunity to redeem the time that we've been given by adding things that bring life and bring value to us rather than just keep us in a cycle of chaos. So like some, some examples. Only on a Sabbath. Only make yourself accessible to those that are physically present in your life. Like who gets access to me? Who gets access to my time, my energy, my focus, my presence on my Sabbath? Only the people that are physically present. It's usually my family, right? They're physically present with me. So it's not on my, uh, the, my email doesn't get my, my attention. My texting doesn't get my attention. Social media doesn't get my attention. The, the uh, television doesn't get my attention. Like Things don't get my attention unless you're a person that's physically present with me can prepare or in and eat a meal together again with five kids it kind of sounds like torture but it actually is a good idea right prepare a meal together and then eat it together here's a crazy idea right take a nap what am i in college I'm going to take a nap. When kids take naps. I'm a grown man. I have work to do. Okay. <laughs> Finally, recognize this, okay? Rec- recognize this. As this is in any area of life, when we're developing something new, it it naturally feels what awkward not not normal not good it feels kind of clumsy we don't really know what to do with it right don't expect that changing the rhythm of chaos into a rhythm of work 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 rest work 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 rest that rhythm will feel awkward to begin with. Embrace the awkwardness of the new rhythm. Because it won't feel awkward after you allow it to become a natural part of your life. Create, rest. Create, rest. Create, rest. Just like it was not awkward for God to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Created the whole cosmos. I think I'll rest now. I'll build that into the fabric of all of existence. That rest is needed in order for creating to take place in a healthy way. I don't know what you create in life. You might create experiences for people. You might create jobs for other people, right? Um, you, you might create something here in a classroom. You might create something in an office. You might create something at church. You might create something, you might create something in the community. Like your work is creating, right? You're creating things. Built into the natural fabric of creation is a necessity to rest in order for you to keep creating successfully and over the long haul. Sabbath is a gift that God desires to give to you. A gift that can be embraced. You have to ask the question, will I receive the gift that God is offering 
And do I believe that God wants me to take a gift that is somehow like going to be painful and bad and lazy or not good? Like either the gifts that God has for us are good or they're not. So you have to answer that question for yourself, whether you believe that the gift of God in Sabbath is good or it's not, and then respond accordingly. Okay? Um, so, well, why don't we have the worship team come back, come back up and transition to this next, um, this next part of, uh, of our morning. I'm going to, again, encourage you to grab some of these, grab, grab one of these, right? On your way, on your way out, if you could. Um, you, my hope is that you will intend to use it, right? Again, like Pastor Luke said, you can also get this on our website. If you prefer to to grab it there. Um, uh, there's practice here, and then there's a practice on the back for the whole family, right? Um, and that you'll you may use that time to create a new rhythm, even of prayer, right? And join us on Tuesdays for um, for times of prayer. But that uh, you would hear the word of the Lord this morning. Actually, let me let me pray that over you, Heavenly Father. I pray that your word would go forth in a in a faithful, strong, determined way, Lord. Then it would take root in our hearts. It would take root in our souls, Lord, and that. Um, when someone says the word Sabbath, that it would evoke within us a, a feeling of desire. Lord, that we will, oh my gosh, do I just want to receive the gift that God has for me now in Sabbath? Lord, I pray that you would interrupt the busyness of our lives this week. You know where we you know where we are compromised, Lord. You know where we are in chaos. You know where we are overcommitted and busy. Lord, I pray that you would divinely and distinctly interrupt that busyness and that chaos. Lord, that we might experience Sabbath rest. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.